I put it that way because I don't want anybody to feel any sort of uh, unnatural constraint to what they want to say about their creative output or whatever. Yeah, you know, no, just no, no. like it should be please speak as you as you feel. And um, if you want to talk about any sketchy shit, just say allegedly. 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 <laughs> and then it's good to go. Okay. But um, I think we're in a good spot. I'm going to go ahead and do the spiel and, and, okay. and talk us in here. <sighs> Hello, everybody. My name is Thomas Zachary, and it's been a long day. But today we're sitting down with, uh, with the guest to talk about um, his fabrication business. I guess that's, that's the thing. Fabrication yeah. business. Fabrication business. Uh, I guess you could also call it like a race car shop. Race car shop. Yeah, I mean, that sounds more fun. Yeah, yeah. Because if you say fabrication businesses, they're like, "Oh, cool." So you can you build me a table? Right. And I'm like, "Well, I could, but I don't really want to." <laughs> yeah. So I'd much rather call it like a fabrication or race car shop. Um, well, that works. I think that that'd be good. I think that's a bit more fitting, considering all the chassis you've got in the shop. Yeah, man. We we don't um, we don't just pick one. <laughs> but the funny thing is about uh, about that is it seems that when I get one chassis, especially if it's a newer car, it, three follow suit right after. Well, you've Just, got the C6 Corvette in here right now? C, uh, yep, C5 Corvette, and then there's another one um, that's in here as well for a cage. There's two C5s in here right now. So you know they multiply. they just budding, right? Like a sponge, they just multiply by budding. If, if that's the case, then uh, it's it, they're in good hands because, like I said, <laughs> we we, it, we don't discriminate against like different cars and stuff like that. But um, just like Mustangs, there's... Let's count the Mustangs in here right now. <laughs> so we got one, we got five Mustangs in here, four of which are our customer cars, yeah. and they range of all generations except for like um, the 66 Fax Fact. Yeah. But, you know, most of the cars and stuff that we do deal with are newer, newer bodies or newer chassis within the past 30, 35 years. I'd say it's probably a good, a good range of, of years and stuff, cars that we do. Well, that's that's a lot. I of mean, vehicles. it is. It's a lot. And our generation. The cool thing about our generation now is we're getting older. We're starting to make our money, and so uh, the cars that we really enjoyed as a kid, we still like. And now oh, yeah. we're buying them up, and we're just dumping a bunch of money into them. <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool '90s cars out there, and that's where a lot of my heart has always lied is in '80s and '90s uh, Japanese vehicles specifically. Uh, JDM and imports are. are they hold a special place in my heart being a kid from the you know the the sticks of east tennessee for everybody that doesn't know i have a dog in my lap right now and it's really really trying to make out with me and it's you know dogs are cool but we kind of jumped the shark a little bit this is the kwamp uh, the knox area artist networking platform and uh, today we're sitting down with chris miller of rice fab right yep that's it and uh and we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the business and hopefully a lot more about how the man got to where he is in the business. And my goal so far is to, to try not to get off on a tangent like I already have. Well, it's it's okay as he runs around the room chasing dog. <laughs> um, no, it's, t it's totally okay. Tangents are fine because I'm, I'm good at talking to people or so, I think. And... I can generally meander all of my questions or or inquiries through the conversation pretty well. So I'm you know so I'm not blatantly asking anybody questions in a non sequitur fashion. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my normal questions don't really apply to you. So we're just gonna sit here and pick each other's oh, brains about it. Cool. Okay. Because you know normally I would ask people, oh, what kind of paintbrushes and colors do you use? What kind of what you kind of blah blah blah. You can still ask me that, but like it's gonna be like welding equipment. And yeah. Stuff to like shape metal and cuts things. Right. So. It's it's a different ballpark. Yeah. yeah yeah, but it's the same situation overall. Uh, all right, man. So let's let's get into it. Um, what's it like being uh, the creative person running the creative business here in East Tennessee? 
um, what it's like. Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think about it like that. It's like my day to day life. I just really enjoy what I do, and I come in here every day and I try to do better than I did before. So I, I don't really have a realization of like, damn, I'm the dude because I don't feel that that I, that I am at all. I'm just a guy doing his job. Right. So, so what put you there? Oh well, what, what put you to be the guy doing the job? My passion. Um, shoot, since I, well, since I've been driving. Well, actually, before that. So, go back to like the early two thousands. Yeah, all back, all yeah, the way yeah, back. Yeah. So I'm like fourteen. I go to the the to Walmart or the grocery store with my parents, and I'm always wanting to get a magazine because at the time, you know, that was the the creative media outlet for you to see things around the world was magazines. So I always tried to get a magazine. Time we went to the grocery store, where you had Import Tuner, you had Turbo Mag, you had um, Hot Rod, American Muscle. You did, yeah. I would get a Hot Rod every once in a while. I'd get a motorcycle magazine every once in a while, and I would just try to absorb all the things that I'm seeing. Fast Mustangs and fast forwards. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> And just anything that like my mind would generate to, I'd go on with that magazine. So I'd get that magazine and see if I like enjoyed that. And I would um, absorb all that stuff that I'm, I'm visually seeing and reading and, and hearing about, and then just creating uh, in my mind like the things that I really enjoy. I've always been a person that's had um, hobbies in their life. Um, just when I was nine years old, I was uh, I played paintball. I played paintball up until I was about sixteen, and I was heavily into it. Yeah. Um, among other things, it was in my neighborhood. If one kid got something, all the kids got it, and then that was like our short-term or long-term hobby that we had. And, and paintball was no different. Well, um, the the magazines again really set a fire inside of me that that's really never died, and that was with cars. <laughs> right. And so, um, whenever I was able to drive, I bought a 240SX, and because I was a dumb teenager and I had friends that was also into cars, because <laughs> we were all driving at the time, um, we decided to take it apart, and we completely dismantled the whole car for no freaking reason whatsoever. Did you get it in my mind? Head? Well, in my mind at the time, I, you know, I wanted to do this, that, and the other, and like build a car, but I worked at a, uh, a fast food joint, and then one day I calculated up how long it would take me to, to purchase just a carport. I think it was like a set of coilovers, and I got like really depressed real quick <laughs> on that whole scenario. Yeah, so that was a big awakening. But I really wanted to drive the car, so I talked to my friends in again. And at that time, I'm 32 now, and at that time, you know, your friends were willing to do whatever with you as long as it was a fun, fun situation. Right, yeah. So we put the car back together just so I could drive it like my senior year of high school. So that really like jump started working on cars, uh, working on cars with other people, with friends, making friendships, and then um, uh, not necessarily fabricating because I, again I was 16 and I had like a basic hand tool hand me down set that yeah. was my dad's and my grandfather's. Um, <clears throat> so so you were wrenching at that point. Yeah, we were wrenching it and like. I've been obviously wrenching on personal stuff ever since then. Fabrication come about about let's say eight or nine years ago, and um, what started all of that really was I couldn't again afford to to have other people working on my stuff. It would cost money. It still costs tons of money to build race cars, but um, at that time, you know, it's it's even more so because you're younger. You don't necessarily have like your career set forth, and so the next best thing you can do is yourself. 
Um, I uh, it was again about eight years ago. I wanted to drift. Uh, this would, was my second car that was specific for me to drift, and it was an SC three hundred. Um, I talked my uh, girlfriend's uh, mom at the time to buy me a two bender for Christmas. <laughs> that, was yeah. that a tricky conversation? No, no, not at all. Actually, no, no, no. they were they were very good to me at the time, and uh, it wasn't expensive. I think uh, it was. I, I made a deal with them. Like they bought me that. I think the bender was three hundred, and then I bought a die, and then I just set it up on the floor with an old engine stand and uh, I had like a little mobile bender I bent one size tube and that was for my roll cage and the first roll cage I did was in my own car and then uh, it was just a snowball effect after mm. that you just collect one tool and one tool and yeah. one tool and then over the past eight years I've just amassed tools that we need and I <laughs> still buy tools weekly like anything the guys need like uh, Andrew was telling me yesterday that he'd love to have a light for his uh, for his bead roller so I got on Amazon, which is, it's super easy to buy tools. Just, yeah, yeah, all right, you got a light is. coming. Two days later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So without, I mean, just, just within the few years I've been doing this, just being able to to do business uh, and buy the supplies and things that you need is exponentially easier. Hmm. So it's not been, it's not been too hard of a transition, I guess. I think the, the hardest part for me over the um, starting the business was just starting the business. Like deciding, hey, I got enough work, and um, I'm going to quit my day job, and I'm going to just do this every day until I guess I fall over. Well, what was the day job when you made that decision? Uh, I worked at Excess Power Batteries, which was okay. an actual fantastic stepping stone for me. Um, Scotty uh, was fantastic with me overall as far as like showing me the ins and outs of the aftermarket automotive, which is something that I really needed, I think, to, to get to this point because... Well, I'm in the aftermarket. I consider myself in the aftermarket automotive. We make aftermarket automotive right. parts. And so he, I got to see the retail side of things and the um, large-scale manufacturing side of things. I got to go to SEMA. I got to go to Vegas like eight times. Uh, we got to go to PRI. We got to make relationships that way. And um, that was something that uh, really helped kind of mold me wanting to do my own thing. If I, if I hadn't done that and I was just in a boring job at like a hotel or something I, I don't know that I would have even started doing this I've yeah. just kept my passion my passion which is um, you had a really cool weekend driver that's for sure yeah no kidding well I always tell myself if this if this business thing doesn't work out I got one hell of a personal garage <laughs> yeah, I don't know do. if we'll fit all this crap but like I'm gonna have like You're a real stopped. yeah I, I can build me myself like a super nice car <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've got the setup if anything ever folds, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, just doing the cage um, for myself and then moving forward, I really liked making things. I, it kind of sparked my interest within that hobby of cars of making things and being creative mm -hmm. and, and wanting, again, to do better the next day. And um, I started to do stuff for friends, uh, like everybody seems to when they have like a little small creative business, yep. especially if your friends are in the same thing. Yep. And uh, one one friend, two friend, and then the, you know word got out that I can do welding. And then somebody asked, "Well, can you do this, that?" And then um, I rented out a shop in North Knoxville. Uh, it's right in Halls, like right when you enter Halls. It's across from the Clayton Homes factory. It's a little fifteen hundred square foot shop, and I occupied that shop for four years just about I think between well first of it it was me and two friends went together on the building and it was just for personal use and as a matter of fact we all like made a pact that it was never going to be a business <laughs> and it was yeah <laughs> all right yeah no and right 
and um, and it was just for our hobby because we all were into drifting. Um, my buddy Austin was a pro-am driver at the time, and we needed a place to kind of like work on his car and things, yeah. and we all got our own little section. Well, he got out of pro-am. Um, I was still working on other people's cars here and there, and at the time it was like one car uh, would come in, I would work on it, get it done, send it out, and then another car would come in, and I would try to kind of schedule it out, and it was, I'd do one car, or maybe one roll cage every three months or so, and this was uh, four, about four, like I said, four years ago from now, so... We're about a couple of years now into having that shop space. And then I just kind of like said, hey, guys, if you all don't want this place, let me know. That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll buy your part out. And um, Austin said, yeah, I would, uh, you know, I'm going to do something else right now. I don't need my space. That's cool. Hunter said, well, let me just keep my car there and I'll split rent with you. And I said, well, that's perfect. <laughs> it's working out great. You can just work on my car whenever you can. I was like, well, that works too. I can do that. So I, I had two thirds of the whole space plus the office. And um, there were some times where we would have probably five or six cars crammed in there and I got a lift so I could put cars underneath yeah and space just to, right to kind of like cram as much stuff in there as we could um, the, we worked that out for a couple more years like that and then it was 2018 is when I decided to actually like quit my job get the business license do that whole deal figure it out um, for those of you that don't know you have about a five-year window of figuring stuff out tax-wise <laughs> before before you really should like do things correct and you should always do things correct like right don't 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 get it twisted don't don't go out and like embezzle money and like not do taxes <laughs> and just put zeros for everything that's not how that works but you have some leeway in making a mistake here and there and like figuring out how to do it and if uh, if your business is decently sizable like you have someone working for you and you're doing transactions like thousands of dollars a, a month even get a CPA yeah. they're really not that expensive for what they offer you and I went into this business being a professional of my craft I'm not a CPA. I'm not an accountant. I'm not yeah. I can go to school for that. I can do the books basically, and I do the books how my CPA wants me to do my books. But she takes care of the rest. So that's that's the the tip for the day. If you if you're starting out your own business and you're wondering kind of what the next moves are, have people that know what they're doing do the things you don't know how to do. Yeah, dude, that's exactly how um, I go about this whole venture. Like I don't have to be the best at every single thing in there. I just have to surround myself with people that are not only equally passionate but know more than I do in that field. And that team is what helps create this business yeah. here absolutely like we all have our strong suits and we all try to bring that strong suit together to create um, the finished product well who who do you have under the roof here so right now we have uh, I have myself and then there's three <coughs> other people here uh, Andrew Bottom is my lead fabricator um, we have uh, Joel Thacker who does all of my uh, 3d design the rendering um, he does all the stuff that, that maps out the product as far as like uh, the bolts that we need, the hardware, uh, cut paths, all that stuff for the machine shop. And then um, I have a part-timer that comes in after high school and he's the general laborer, shop sweep um, learner. He, he started to hang out a few months ago and I just simply asked him, like, hey man, do you want to like get paid to hang out here? And he, <laughs> he it was kind of neat because I have to think about back when I was 16 how 
kind of dumb I was overall right. and try to be his guiding light in all this because he come upon this just liking welding, not liking cars. But now he's starting to really enjoy cars and trucks. And so he has all these like crazy ideas and we have to like we're not polite about it. Let me let's be frank. <laughs> we have to like bit. we're like, no, that's not gonna work. And then also we're like, it's gonna cost you a shitload of money to get this silly idea <laughs> that has like no meaning and no purpose behind it done. So you're giving the kid a lot of context. Yeah, we're trying to. And he kind of come up here thinking that we was going to be able to do a bunch of like silly projects like we're on some kind of YouTube video. <laughs> and it's a business at the end of the day, so it's not necessarily always the case. You right. know, we have a good time in here and we cut up and uh, we, we thoroughly enjoy making fun of him. But, um, you know, it's still business at the end of the day and we got uh, bills we got to pay and families we got to feed. So right. we try to... Um, Try to make that happen and I think as far as over the years that's the hardest part about being a craftsman and also trying to run a profitable business because in this in this game of building race car or I'm sorry let me go back building custom cars not even race cars because because mostly like if you look at like a, a race shop like um, M Sport that builds rally cars for Ford they just build like the same car over yeah. and over and over. They know exactly every single cent and then the money that's paid is corporate money. This is different. Like, we want to give a customer a bespoke, custom, handmade thing that looks really, really nice at the end of the day, but we also want to eat. And so... Yeah, there's not there's not a single... There's not two cars in your shop right now that are getting the same treatment. No, not at all. I mean, we get cars that get the same treatment, but they're different chassis, so right. they have their own, you know, complex problems and solutions that that has to get figured out yeah there's no cookie cutter stuff here no, no. it's all 100 percent no, bespoke not yet not yet i mean we still have to follow like um a rule book for a lot of the race cars that we do every once in a while we'll get some kind of like a hot rod that'll come in here and the person says you know i want this turbo hung in this general area but all the other stuff have at it and that's fun it's always nice or, mm -hmm. or andrew will get in <clears throat> Uh, a bead rolling project and he's able to just do some bead rolling art on a particular panel that goes inside of a race car or a custom hot rod or whatever the case may be and so we have those creative outlets um, to be able to to charge for but he, as the business owner I have to try my best to give that same quality but make the money at the end and I think that's been the challenge I have no answer for it really right. it's just Sometimes you go over the time that you really need to on a particular thing yeah. and morals come down to it and you just simply can't charge the customer for doing things that are artistic, I guess you could say. There, there, there's, in my, in my experience doing what I do, and you know what I do for a living, yeah. uh, you know my boss, you know the whole ordeal, but there's there's that thin line between how much time can I spend making this cool versus how much time it takes to get it done? Yeah, and that's, absolutely. Uh, there's all you have to dance on that line. Yeah, sometimes we do it daily here because every one of us in here are, are extremely creative minds. Like we can go off and talk about builds that are completely hypothetical for hours and have a full car built within like a six pack of beer. Yeah, no problem. We yeah. we love that stuff. Um, so that carries over to when we do projects, and sometimes I'll have to. Tell Joel, tell tell Andrew that like, listen, we gotta 
chill out. It's only meant to do this particular <laughs> function. Let's make it look clean because it shouldn't just look haggard. Nothing should just look half done, but not necessarily have all the pizzazz right. that it needs because the customer, most of our customers have budgets. And whenever we have the customer come in here, we try to figure out what their budget is and try to stick within that budget. Now we get lucky every once in a while and have a little bit more of an open checkbook and freedom type situation, but those are only like a few times a year. Yeah, those, those don't roll in the shop every week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, it's nice when they do. Oh, absolutely, and and they're a, they're a lot more fun. And, and you get to know the, um, for those long-term projects, you get to know the, the customer a lot more. A lot of these quick turnaround stuff, you know, they're in and out. I'm lucky to remember the name, but like a lot of these other long-term stuff, you actually get to know the person, and you create new friendships yep. along that, which is really neat. I mean, I, I can definitely say I have experienced the same thing in, in my line of work, you know, being, being all up in all the things I yeah. have my hands in. <laughs> uh, you know, they're at, in the shop right now, for instance, there's like a, a transit van, you know, like a 2500, you know, just a parts hauler van essentially you all get a lot of commercial stuff we right? do yeah is we, that like the bread and butter is the commercial yeah stuff? that's that's the that's the money maker stuff because yeah. it's high volume and um the installs are generally less uh laborious and they're the customer is less picky it just has to like it says wonder bread on the side it's mm. got to say wonder bread on the side right of it. and then in that context we can make it as hard on ourselves as we want yeah but uh yeah generally um commercial stuff in the vinyl industry is where a lot of people make the majority of their money cool like color change is one thing um you know stripe accents packages those are another thing hood wraps roof wraps trunk wraps all those are their own beast but generally commercial stuff is is what's paying the bills what's your favorite thing to do um i like the weird stuff and and by weird stuff i mean it's it's the when people call the shop and they're like hey can y'all do this we've called five other shops and nobody said yes <laughs> and usually we can figure out a nice budget-friendly way to make all the things happen for the people and then you know sometimes you just have to tell them no because what they come at you with is just so outlandish but right now um, Harper uh, Volkswagen Porsche Audi all that stuff they're one of our uh, one of our yeah. customers clients uh, we have a good relationship with them, and they're doing some really silly stuff with a lot of their parts vans that I'll tell you about off mic. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, we have one of their demo Taycan Turbo S's oh. in in the shop right now that I will also tell you about off mic because I don't think I'm currently at liberty to disclose Ooh, what they're man, doing with their are stuff. So nice. Yes, they are. And this one's all black with the bronze wheels and like a, a light brown beige-ish interior, which isn't my favorite. I've seen other models of this car with a nicer interior. But the black on black on bronze, oh my God. Man, I'm not an electric car guy, but that one, um, I, I would own that one, absolutely. I would own that uh, one as well. There's not a lot of cars that come into the shop that I would not enjoy. I'll say that. Because yeah. I'm like uh, in the realm of car person enthusiasts. Like I like all cars yeah like obviously i have a preference to some things and some makes and some models but like cars are cool because they're cars i uh, i have started to enjoy um more cars as of recently um i don't know if that's just getting more mature and just like understanding what this person probably had to go through i'm very sympathetic for people's builds almost yeah that. they had to go through a lot to get this particular thing because i've done a to a to z on it so like i understand what uh, they had to go through and going to car meets and seeing something neat and has a lot of like creative thought and and, and i don't know it's like they're it just they're um 
Oh, I'm a lost words. Um, well, you know they've sat there and thought about it and yeah, put a lot of it. energy. They're emotionally invested and they're intellectually invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their personalities come out. That's what yeah. I was trying to think of. Their personalities come out into the uh, into the car, and so it's really neat to talk to them and to see their stories and to see how excited they are. And that's probably one of my favorite things about uh, about the car community in general is just like seeing other people's stories all yeah. the time. And and I I enjoy when people start talking about hard to find parts. Yeah. And if you're a JDM guy in the United States, sometimes there are lots of parts that well, are hard to find. See, that's why I went out. Uh, I, I, I used to love Corollas. Uh, let me rephrase it. I still really love Corollas. <laughs> but I just don't want to own one. I'm not, it's not the right time of my life, especially right now, to own a Corolla. Dude, They're, money and parts for an 8.6 are crazy right they now. They are silly. Um, but I've had five of them. Whenever, like, I, I got out of 240s, I had an RX-7. It was a piece of crap, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's everybody's story. <laughs> and then I found a Corolla, and um, I'd, at one point, you know, I had like five engines. Uh, we uh, would find them locally and just like dismantle them for parts because we thought that we would just covet and use them. Um, and that was my first bout into drifting. Louie, okay. your boss, started East 10 Drift, he and did. I found it on Facebook at the time, and I simply loaded the car up with um, a set of spare tires that I just bought and a jack and uh, I had somebody follow me to um, Chilhowie Park. Yep. It was, I was going to say it's either that or Smoky It was Chilhowie. That was my first one and then I went out there and I just tried. I just made sure I had all the things that I thought I needed or whatever else to go out there and just try. So what did you forget? Uh, no, no. As far as the car, I, didn't really <laughs> yeah. I don't think that we forgot anything because we had you know, drinks, food, the jack, the tire, like simpler times. Right. Man. We fit it all within like just the Corolla to go out there. We didn't have to have like an enclosed trailer because we drove the car there and drove that. <laughs> they didn't have to have an enclosed trailer. They have to have a, like a bunch of tools and a like crazy shit and warming the cars up. No, it was just you go out and you just drove. Go, the, dude. Yeah, you drove and you figured <laughs> it out. And it was uh, it was really good. I look back on that stuff and that was like that's what drifting should be. But it's easily not for someone that is a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone really enjoyed driving, that's all it should be, is like doing mods, driver mods to make the driving experience better um, without going too crazy. And I, I'm a firm believer of that. I just do not practice what I preach anymore. <laughs> well, you have access to a lot of tools. That's the thing. <laughs> like Tools and know-how, and um, it just makes it snowball a lot easier. And people to, to provide you with parts mm-hmm. and the relationships you have. like. Just starting out in the, like if I was to start out and I built a car today and it's the first time I ever built one and I'm just into cars, it would be very expensive and very hard for me to do uh, most of the things that I'm doing just my own personal yeah. car. So it does help. Yeah, it absolutely does help that. But but for it to be said, a modest build and the intent to go thrash it will take you a long way in having fun. Drifting wise, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smiles for miles. That's, oh yeah, that's for sure. It. So yeah, I think um, I think it's been a good ride so far. But the Corolla is what got me drifting, and if I hadn't got the Corolla and done that, I might not even have been here. I mean, you know, you can look back and say the right. butterfly effect or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's what got me into drifting and what forced me to start fabricating and working on my own stuff. Forced force you to start because you had the, I had to because yeah. I had any money and I wanted to drive, so it was just like, well, I have to make these things. So did you put a cage in that car yourself? No, I did not. Okay, so that was one <laughs> of the reasons that, uh, going back to all the hard-to-find parts, it was getting harder at that time to find parts. And uh, I, it was, like, exhausting because if I wanted to find anything that improved the car or made it look good, um, you had to really look on forums and at the time club 4ag was a big one and that's what made it easier but when 
Facebook started to get more of that audience and mm. forums started going to the leeway, uh, so did rare Japanese parts because it was harder for you just to search and find it yeah. really quickly. And so I got into the SC300. I found this car in Pennsylvania. I had a truck and trailer we just got so I could start again going to drift events and having an actual truck and trailer. We went up to Pennsylvania, me and my dad picked this car up. It had already had uh, the 1J. It was non-VVTI 1J and at a... Um, yeah, like a welded rear end? No, it didn't have welded. It had, it was, I, I'm a, I, I absolutely love LSDs. And it had a Cusco two-way. Okay. And so, um, or I had a, I'm sorry, I had a Cas two-way. It had Cas two-way and it had a few bushings here and there and it had like a seat and it was like it was ready to go. It was. It yeah. was like he, he, he already took it to a few drift events. It was tried and true. So I was like, perfect, I can get in this thing and drive it immediately. So we get it here and the only thing that I did was since it was a northern car was I took the um, subframe, the engine out, the, uh, all the suspension bits. I dropped those. I cleaned up everything that I possibly could. And this is the best part. I went to the Lexus dealership and I bought bolts. That was what I've been missing the whole time with Corollas, <laughs> was being able just to go down to the store and buy what I needed. So um, I used the internet. I got every single bolt part number. I went to Lexus. I bought all the bolts and I put everything back together. And then uh, I enjoyed that car until um, I ran it to a wall at Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> I but, just, so so was it oversteer or understeer? Which end oh, of the car no, hit the wall? Cook, uh, it, was, it was definitely the ass end. It was... Uh, I, too hard up into the wall and it, it swung me back over. We ended up actually hammering a lot of it out and drifting the rest of the day. There you go. But me overthinking and younger into drifting at the time, I was like, oh, this thing's trashed, which it <laughs> absolutely probably wasn't. And uh, so I found another, it was a driving car uh, for 500 bucks and we just stripped it out and that's the, the car I put the first cage in, okay. which I sold that to a buddy. I see that car every once in a while around town. Oh, that's nice. And stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like it when you see your old work just kind of bebopping around. I do and I don't. Well, I, I mean, you, you, it gives you the flashback to what was happening right then because you remember. So with drift cars, this is how I feel about my personal drift cars. The car itself, the chassis, is a tool. It's a tool to do your job. Yep. Um, if you drive hard enough, things will happen. If you really covet the the car itself though the body and stuff then uh, your feelings are gonna get hurt <laughs> yeah so i covet things like uh you know like the drivetrain and like the interior bits like steering wheel things i can take off the car and put it on another car right yeah. so i enjoy nerding out about that stuff but when it comes to the outside we make him we make drift cars personally no not for customers we try to give the customer exactly what they want but for my own personal car if they look good 25 feet away and they're like Chris and they take a good picture yeah. that's all I care about other than that I know they're going to get thrashed well you know not a concourse car by no means right. well they're, they're only you can only make a car that does that job look so good yeah, and still exactly. do that job exactly because at the end of the day especially with the, the M3 that I have now is the car is so damn cut up that uh, a third of it is all composite and all the composite panels are held together with like zip ties mm -hmm. and screws and some fancy brackets and stays that will end up making I mean the car is made to literally get crushed in multiple feet and then pop back out right so yeah they're going to look haggard after the first few times that you do that yeah um, Kevlar Kevlar fenders are amazing oh man so we have been really nerding out in here on composite stuff we have not pulled the trigger yet but that is something that we really want to um, just as a team here learn not necessarily to make parts and products I mean it works out that way whatever but 
to at least know how to make uh, carbon fiber, carbon yep. Kevlar, um, full Kevlar like composite pieces. It's a really cool road to go down, and it's not hard to learn about. There's a a bunch of really good YouTube videos on composite stuff. I know I know a gentleman from back in my local motors days that does um, energy research now for. Uh, coal and whatnot yeah he, he's he does research on carbon but he was the composites and carbon fiber guy at local motors oh cool and uh i need i need to reach out to him but this reminded me that uh, he knows his shit and i'd like <laughs> i'd like to put you in touch with him if, if you would uh, if you would like that so what we're going to do uh and how i kind of go about asking people questions is instead of overloading them with a bunch of simple stuff we try to really mess up first on something and then like come up with a list of questions as to like why right and then that way I can have more of a, uh, You've got a personal a, conversation with yeah. the person that knows what they're doing plus you have like some hard points that you want answers for like you're not just sure. coming to somebody and going like hey dude you know yeah. uh, this thing how I do this how I do it make make do things right yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like this messed up, and I don't really know why. Can you help me out a little bit? Is is a more a more pointed question? Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see about doing that because uh, Andrew's three seventy is pretty wild, and it's gonna get to the point where we're gonna have to make um, custom panels and ducting for it because uh, it's so it, it's so cut up that it, it's there's not a lot aftermarket wise that will work play. with yeah not necessarily plug and play just like work with the whole design of how we think that the the air should should flow uh, you know around the car and and play with that and learn and stuff and the uh, the the big thing that we try to take away from our personal cars is to learn so if you see our personal cars and you're like, well, why they do that? It's probably because we just did it just somebody, to try somebody it. Somebody said, how's this going to work? And we just, <laughs> we're just trying stuff out sometimes. Not, a, lot of the, a lot of the cars that we build, are, I mean, they make sense, but there's some things that we just try. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you should, because if you're not trying, then you're not pushing the envelope in some form or fashion. Sure. Especially with stuff like this, where, where everything is so quantifiable and can be boiled down to such black and white. Like, where's the gray area? Where's the weird shit? Like, where's the stuff I've not seen anybody do Absolutely. before? And if you're not failing at stuff, then you're not learning anything either because you're right. not able to figure out why it failed. So, yeah. There's, there's a lot of really exciting stuff outside of Kevlar in the components world, and I want you to, like, dig into that okay. because there's a lot of... Uh, research going into um, uh, new fiber composites that aren't like graphene or carbon or Kevlar or fiberglass or anything like there's like more natural derived fibers that people are really putting in and getting the same results out of oh really like strength wise mm -hmm. wow cool yeah, weight, weight and strength yeah. yeah if you have any type of articles and stuff like that that you want to send I'll, me I'll please do next time I see one come across my feed I'll send it your way yeah definitely do it and I'll, I can send it to, to Andrew and Joel both it's ex exciting stuff right now yeah that's what I'm getting well at. I mean things uh, Technology-wise, just progressed so freaking quickly. We were talking about that. Uh, we got a new 3D printer, and uh, it's plug-and-play. And I told Joel, I'm like, man, five years ago, there's no way this printer could be half this, especially for the price. Five years ago, it would have been ten times more expensive and take, taken up most of the room yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, the miniaturization of that technology has been crazy. Uh, and that, from just a tool standpoint, the the complexity of that tool and the capabilities. Is it one outweighs the other by so much because these relatively simple boxes that you can put on a desktop nowadays can make whatever almost yeah. you imagine and it's great. We use it for rapid prototyping um, and it's extremely accurate. So uh, it, it goes from like 
the idea, Joel making that idea and then taking that idea and making it into a tangible thing that you can hold in your hand and you can check clearances, making sure it operates correctly, um, make sure it fits what you're trying to put it on, so on and so forth to see if there's anything that he needs to correct and it's extremely cheap to do. Oh, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And uh, you know that's one thing that we've been trying to do here is grasp the technology that we can afford. Um, because the prices for those things are going down all the time. They are. And associated scanning equipment and softwares that use those things and talk between them. Like the whole sphere of that yeah. is becoming super accessible. I can't wait for additive um, printing like metal 3D printing to really grasp that same same deal where it's like people are 3D printing metal stuff in their homes. Dude, give it give it five years. Oh for, yeah, for I, real. I believe, like that's that's it. Yeah, uh, or we I don't even have to like touch a welder anymore. I just make it print and then I just fit the part up and then <laughs> with it. I mean, there's already um, exhaust manifolds and stuff now, turbo manifolds now that are made from 3D printing in canal and yeah. they're a bolt up sellable item that people use on Porsches. And also, people in canal is a crazy, crazy custom made metal. Uh, the Air Force and NASA uses it all the time. It's been on SR-71 Blackbirds. Like, it's a crazy material. And the material itself is, it, it acts fantastically to heat. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is it's so heat resistant. Well, that was one of the reasons they wanted to use it on the Blackbird. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the thermal management of that particular metal is so nice. The downside to it, though, is it is very expensive. It is stupid expensive. Yeah. Yeah, if, if we're making manifolds in here, uh, majority of the stuff is made from like 321 stainless, uh, which is a fantastic stainless as far as heat goes. Um, from there, 347, and then from 347 to, to Inconel, but um, most of the stuff is, is 321 that comes so, out here. So where would you use Inconel? Like a turbo setups and stuff like that? Yeah, if it, was, um, if it was an open checkbook build, right. and then also that uh, it was meant to live in a really hot environment. Um, or high demand environment, like uh, if you had a a professional rally car, for instance, like WRC probably uses mm -hmm. Inconel manifolds, and we're starting to see that kind of trickle down into uh, consumer goods. Um, I think it's Full Race makes Inconel manifolds for like the EcoBoost Mustang. Their their casted material is Inconel, and it um, it makes a like I said a really good product for uh, in a situation where it has a lot of heat like an exhaust yeah. manifold <clears throat> but that would be the primary reason that that i would use it here i haven't right. come across any situation or customer wanting to use that exotic metal in another form or part of the car yeah. most of the stuff that we use here is like mild steel stainless um, a lot of aluminum and then uh, titanium there there are a lot of uh, metal printed titanium exhausts on the market now. Mm -hmm. um, I know one of the big people that's been using them for a hot minute is Koenigsegg. Mm -hmm. They've had those for a while. Um, I think the Ford GT most recently, I don't know if parts of it were printed or not, but it was full titanium exhaust. New Bugatti had their tips are 3D printed mm -hmm. now. Uh, yeah, there, there are more and more companies starting to use additive metal manufacturing as a, a single stage process. Yeah. That's great. I so I'm it. excited about it. I heard from one guy, though, that he said that uh, he thinks the automotive market's used to um, essentially advertise for, for additive manufacturing because it's just a sexy thing to do it. You know, like putting a car, a part that's being 3D printed on a, a Ferrari race car is, is sexy. It is cool. Yeah. It does make you But the Ferrari helps. Money. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and and that being said, Bugatti, Koenigsegg, uh, whatever other race teams, like those are all high dollar outfits, Absolutely. and this is not a cheap thing. And the and the stuff that they're printing for these cars are not small objects either. So yeah. there's that. And, and honestly, I think 3D printing for that particular purpose is like it is is kind of silly. Like he touched base on like how a five-axis CNC machine could do what most people are coming out with, yeah. and they're not even really using what they. Um, what they could be like their minds haven't opened up yet to the possibilities of like 3d printing things out of metal because it's at that point it's only as endless as the machine let you make it right you know the size that, it, that you can manufacture that piece the, so. the build volume yeah, is, the build is volume. a lot a lot of the constrictions and mm -hmm. you know luckily i make a lot of small things i don't really have that issue in, in my creative pursuits when we do we just make it multiple pieces and make it snap and click together yeah. or, or we glue it together so that way we can check it out well you're, you're using that for you know testing purposes essentially so it's not like you need a structural part that you can just slap in there yeah not really no um i talked a lot about 3d printing with Ben Fields the other day on his podcast was talking about uh, like printed houses and stuff. I'm really excited about 3D printed houses. Do they? Uh, is it just like extruded concrete? Yes, but it's it a very special concrete. So because it just bonds to itself, so it's not. And like it's really stiff. Cool. Like on on, on the get go, you know. It is it still like a natural thing, like concrete is, mm -hmm. or is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So they just change the mixture. Well, I mean, there there are a lot of a lot of ways to play with concrete, sure. you know, chemically. So they they do. Um, but I mean, I didn't say that to get harping on it, but like that's, that's the cool. shit. That's the shit I'm looking yeah, forward no, to. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime that um, technology can help, like people have a home or have a product or have something that is previously unimaginable happen. Yeah, man, that's great. That's yeah, really cool. And people will print, you know, full houses like you know you'll do a regular concrete slab foundation and a normal roof, but your floor plan and your walls and everything will be printed, or they'll or they'll make um, um, what's the word I'm looking for modular wall systems. Yeah, and that's that's also really popular nowadays. Um, you know, I've seen fully 3D printed structures, and I've seen you know modular homes that are made with 3D printed components, and there's there's room for it in every aspect of a workflow or a build uh, ethos, you know, whatever you want to call it. Sure. So there's there's room for it all over the place. But that's that's the crazy stuff that I look forward to. But one of the things that really set you and how you do your business apart, in my opinion, is that you have this technology. You have a guy that knows how to use it, and you ain't scared to do it. Man, you adapt or die. That's true with any <laughs> business. You, like, you figure out how to... Um, make a dollar and then not necessarily do it better or, or differently than the next guy but make sure that the world itself doesn't pass you by like there there's definitely a market for a guy that that beats a panel by hand and i have mad respect for that absolutely um but you're going to have to have like a particular clientele that wants that particular mm -hmm. hand like true handmade beaten thing um Otherwise, it's going to be hard for you to manufacture stuff. That's well, the reason that we've been going to more um, technological advanced, well, not technologically advanced stuff. The reason that we're going to like better tooling, uh, having more um, like a 3D printer, 3D scanner, uh, having Joel in there that does the design stuff. The reason that we have that is so that we can make things 
to the same quality but quicker and that's not necessarily to make a buck it's just so that we can make the products that we need because what we're trying to do and moving forward is having, making our own products selling our own product line having retailers sell the product and then the cars that we uh, actually build in here will be a lot less it'll be yeah. uh, more personalized clientele and then uh, we'll be able to um, almost breathe a little bit more because we'll have the income coming in the bread and butter so to speak would be the parts mm-hmm. and the things that we're selling the things that we're getting machined out of house uh, all those things can be sold and then that's our income and then the stuff that we're building in here and enjoying and trying to always enjoy will be more enjoyable because um, you know we're not like so stressed at getting that done just to move to the next car and so on so yeah like. and then you know that comes back around all the stuff that you use as a sandbox on your personal yeah. vehicles loops back into how you you know work your workflow in the in the sure. professional context uh, now I know there's things that I've picked up from other other made other mediums other workflows other professions and arenas of yeah. of creative work that I've since applied to my painting, my digital sculpting, whatever, and you never know where that's going to come from. Yeah. So having space to breathe and time to enjoy those things and to try those things is never a bad thing. Right. No. No doubt. And uh, to touch a little more on that, like one thing that we set here is this is our job. This is also our passion, but we also need to stop. Like we really probably would be in here um, working 10, 12 hour days, no problem. Um, but we need to have that cutoff. So we leave yeah. at five, sometimes six, you know, whatever. But we leave and we go home to our families. We have dinner. We watch TV. We try not to think about it as much. <laughs> Me less since it's, you know, I own the business. So I'm thinking about this place 24-7. Um, but, you know, we also have weekends off. And then that's so that we can come here Monday with a good game plan, mm-hmm. a fresh mind. We're not stressed out to death and we're able to, to work out through the week and then just jam out and get work done. Yeah. Now that comes with a little bit of logistical uh, scenarios. Like I can't be out in Knoxville running around all day long because I only got eight hours to spend in here right. making stuff and getting customer stuff out. So I try to have a lot of stuff shipped in, but that's just been you know, growing pains and things like yeah. that. And, um, the business is just ever evolving uh, on on what sells, what doesn't sell, and what what these guys need because they're human beings and they have wants, desires, and then also they have you know good days and bad days, and so we just try to all work together as one team and make sure that everybody's happy and accounted for. So it's you and three other guys, two other yeah. guys, two two main people that do work, and then, and then the part time. Yep, and part-time guy. You've got you've got a pretty tight ship here. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've made it up as I went along, man. I, I really <laughs> like. I'm stubborn about asking questions, and I should ask more questions. But going back to like not knowing the questions to ask. Yeah. Um, I, I make up a lot of this as I go along, and I hope I'm doing right. Well, uh, from my from where I sit, watching you know you as a professional craft things that I enjoy as a hobby and a passion, it looks like you're doing it right from from where I sit. Because you're making stuff, and your guys are making stuff, and I'm just like, damn, that's cool, <laughs> you know. And when I sat there, I and, and I and I can look at the things with as much detail as you care to put out to sure. social media, and I'm just like zooming in and looking at stuff. Good, like, mm. I'm glad you do because that's what we try to make things for people that do that, and then also it's like we're making um, stuff for other fabricators <laughs> because like we know what we're gonna look at, and I can't look through your eyes, so I don't know what you're right. actually thinking, and so we just can make things 
not only to the best of our ability, but like how we envision and picture them. Yeah. And so, yeah, we make things for other fabricators at and, the end of the day. And that makes me really happy because you've set up an environment and uh, surrounded yourself with people that also have that drive. Like, I want to make cool stuff, not because it's cool, but because it's cool and I can make it. Man, I am lucky to have two dudes that, that literally, like, live, eat, and breathe this stuff, and that isn't very common. Like, I'm sure I'll have employees in the future that this is their job, and I have to, like, understand that. that that's just but, what they do for money during yeah, the day. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I have to, to as a business owner, um, you know, delegate how they need to do their job. Um, but for these two dudes, no, it, it's it's a pretty good unison deal where, like, we come in here, we have our tasks, and then, uh, what's the word, like, synergy. Yeah. Synergy. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we get, we get stuff done. We, we don't have to, like, we don't bicker, we don't fight, we don't argue. Um, sometimes we come up with three separate ideas, and, and when that happens, we literally just pick one. Because there's almost no bad ideas, it's just... Different ways to kind of go right, like a thousand ways to skin a cat is one of the things I yeah, like to that's say a it. lot. The only thing that, that I do is, uh, is from the business aspect is if they get too wild, I'm like, no, 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 listen, no, 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 bring it back. <laughs> that's too much material, that's too much time. Like, he only has so much money, like, we can't go that crazy, but that would be cool, right? Yeah, so that's probably the only time that, that I ever like shoot stuff in the foot is when I'm like, no, it's probably too expensive, but that's just part of being a business owner. I like when you find that that red line about where where this would be really cool, and they're like, maybe I should call the customer and ask. Yeah. Because there have been times Lou and I have been sitting around at work and just like this idea hit us, or we'll be back and forth about something, and we'll come mm -hmm. up to a thing, and we'll just be like, man, we really should call this person and run this bio. Sometimes we've done stuff for free um, because we thought that the customer absolutely needed that. Uh, one, one case in point is uh, we had a um, S197 Mustang that come in and it had like a skeleton dash. So like had the dash pad, the top part of the Mustang yeah. dash, but everything uh, in, in between it was just panels missing. So um, Bonham bead rolled a, or Andrew bead rolled uh, a panel that went into the center of that and then made a center console right underneath it. And then um, it had a four speed dog box. And for you that don't know, it's an older, like side shift one so the shifter come outside of the tunnel and so you have to create a cover well whatever was there was just some kind of like sheet screwed bit hand bit thing <laughs> and I, I've drove this car so I know it got really hot so we just made a really nice box cover and he was really really appreciative of that but there's no way that we would have felt right doing all that nice bead rock to the dash and then had this like right. haggard cover thing on the side where his leg was so yeah like we sometimes give away stuff for free if we feel like that it's like well, I, needed sometimes that happens because you can't like you said you can't do all this nice stuff and then have this you know eyesore right next to it yeah it, it's it's the creative side of us it's a passion part that's when the passion side comes out yeah. more than just the business side and that's that's <laughs> damned if you do damned if you don't sometimes yeah uh, but you know that's I think that's part of being a creative person in general because you know the ideas are always coming wherever yeah. you get them from yeah yeah for sure and, and you know it's it's hard to rein yourself back sometimes and say no for whatever reason yeah so it's 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 hard to draw that line yeah um is. and other people see it too so your yeah. work is your work should always be your calling card whether you put your like physical name on it with a stamp or a badge like all your work should really be uh, its own card and so just kind of always keep that in your mind if you're doing anything any type of 
creative um, thing that you're selling, then you should put your whole heart into it. And if you're not, then you should figure out why you're not, and if right. that's even the thing that you want to do. Because that, that why you're not part though is really difficult. Sometimes people fantasize about all the glory, and when it comes down to the work, it's not necessarily that they can't do it. It's that they're actually their heart isn't really in it. They just fantasize about the glory, and their yeah. hobby in it is literally just like thinking how cool it would be. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what you should be doing. Right. Yeah. That's that's. I think that just comes with age and figuring out what you want to do well in in my creative practice you know i'm 30 years old now i turned 30 last march and i know from when the time i was you know 14 15 16 that i had a really set core group of influences yeah and the only thing they've done since then is grow but i also know that i have um a very specific style that i've been working on that i didn't know i was working on yeah since then until like the last two or three years. Like the piece I gifted you, the the pinstripe oh, style yeah, that right. I've been working on. That's perfect for this automotive shop. That's I know. a perfect gift. Uh, and I had I had some of those laying around and I figured you might like it, so I brought it. Um, but you know, I've I've been reading Hot Rod magazine since I was like twelve. And you know, whatever other automotive publications, like I read Autoblog almost every day. Oh like yeah. I'm car nut through and through. So I like Jalopnik. Jalopnik's great yeah. too. Um, Drive is also pretty good. I get in that on there every now and again. Yeah. Um, I keep up with like gossip on there. Hmm. Like if the Yaris GR isn't coming to America, I get really mad that I'm reading the article on Drive. Yeah. I, I want the Yaris GR so bad. Supposedly, now I've not looked at the rumors since hearing about this rumor, but uh, they're supposed to be doing that same um, engine setup in uh, Corolla. And we're going to have like a Corolla GR. Don't know if it's going to be all-wheel drive or not, but it's supposed if to be. If it's like, not all-wheel drive, color me disappointed. No kidding. But it's supposed to be a turbo car. So that's, that's, I'll take a turbo, yeah, but absolutely. can I get two extra driven wheels? Well, the thing about it is, is like we grew up in, in, in U.S. where turbo cars were not um, like they were throughout the rest of the world. And right. so like the things that we covet are things that's so prevalent. And so it's funny because we still have that mindset. So when Do a turbo America? car comes out, we're like, yes, yeah, a turbo car, but... Honestly, the rest of the world's like, okay. Well, not only that, but like, we're going to get used to it for too long because there's going to be a lot to get good fuel efficiency. It's going to be small displacement yep. and turbo vehicles. So right. we're going to get mm-hmm. like an insurgence of those next few years for sure. Uh, I, I, right now, certainly don't mind the um, right sizing ethos for all the corporate powertrains. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, now, Audi has been really leading the pack with smaller displacement higher compression ratio turbo shenanigans yeah and that's that's fine that's totally fine but the american market is so not used to turbos because anytime you would get a turbo in the in this in the 80s or 90s and even the early 2000s it was not that great Mm -hmm. and there were good american turbo cars but they weren't uh, mass produced, or they weren't like really well received. But yeah, they're like the like a Buick Grand National that time. Yeah, you know, special edition things, or like a turbo four cylinder a Fox body. It's mm-hmm. like super rare. But and then and then you know you had like the Eagle Talon and the Mitsubishi. Like those cars, you had a turbo option. Matter of fact, that was, option. that was the first turbo car I ever rode in. Was a Talon TSI. Oh, well, there you go. 90s kid, man. It's yeah. just like I think that's what everybody's first turbo experience was. I remember the first time I saw a 3000 GT. 
And, and I thought I that your was, mind was blown. Dude, I was, I was like seven or eight at my grandpa's convenience store in the middle of tiny, yeah. small town East Tennessee. And I was just like, what is that? <laughs> you know, all these vents and, and the wide tires and the wing. First what is fashion, this? First Fashion Furious come out when I was 12. And so, like, I, Black Civics, that's it. That's what I wanted. I wanted <laughs> like, anytime there was a Civic that passed by me with underglow, I was like, damn, that's a, a Ferrari could have, like, zoomed past me at 200. My eyes would still have been set on that Black Civic. Yeah. I have actually never owned a Civic in my life, but like when well, I was you, 12, buddy, that was it. Yeah, uh, and, and I feel like automotive culture got a big boost from the from Hollywood and entertainment industry around that time. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. once the first and second uh, Fast and Furious movies came out, everybody's like, oh shit, car movies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they're trash now, but um, I think the last good for. Uh, Fast and Furious was Tokyo Drift, but that's not because I like drifting. I just think that was the last one that was like literally about cars. Car, uh, yeah, car yeah, movie. Yeah, quote, yeah, quote. yeah. No, I, I think that it's a stupid storyline and it, it offends me. Well, well, <laughs> well, you know, Hollywood, bigger, better, no, you know, know. That, that whole thing. But they went to be, they're pretty much just like car-oriented triple X movies. Yeah, yeah, which which is fine if you want to go to the movie theater and see a bunch of stunts and crazy stuff blow up, mm-hmm. which is cool. And that's a lot of reason uh, some people go to the movies. But... There's no denying that it was huge on the car, um, oh. the import scene, definitely. No, no doubt. Uh, the, the, what was it, the MK, whatever, the Supra? Mark IV Supra? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a legend ever since. Uh, yeah, it has. The it's orange only one. because COVID has made them ridiculous, but they were still kind of ridiculous before. Even, uh, I think, like 2008, they were still blue booking for $20,000. Man, uh, the used that's car market awesome. right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, well, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast in itself. Yeah, yeah it really it's is. silly. But, uh, it's. I've loved cars. I've always loved cars, and I really appreciate how people do with automobiles in yeah. general. Because I'm mechanically minded, but I'm not mechanically skilled enough to go out and do a lot of the things. So if you sit here and you tell me you do all these things to whatever vehicle, I'm totally going to understand the bullshit <laughs> you just told me, and I'll know how you did it most likely. But I can't go do it. Right. So that's the next best thing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody asked me recently, you know, is it just artists and musicians on your podcast? And I was like, well, no, I just haven't got anybody else, you know, in there yet. And I was like, you know, some guy that builds a tube frame chassis, whatever, in his garage is equally as valid in my eye under the scope yeah, of neat. creative as, as that. And then I got to thinking a couple days after that, I was like, who in the hell do I know? And then I shot you a message. So the world is small in a good way for yeah. me when I go to have these conversations. Yeah, and I think you're in a really creative city, too. I love Knoxville. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love Knoxville. And it, it it's, there is just a lot of amazing people that make stuff. No matter if bar of soap, man, there's yeah. creative people that make soap. And like, there's some really good soaps out there. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the food, the, the food is next level here. And it's so, it's, it's a huge melting pot of a bunch of different stuff. And we were talking about breweries earlier. Um, just a lot of like there woodworkers are popping up here recently, uh, leather craftsmen, mm-hmm. um, shoe repair people. I get uh, cobblers. I get yeah cobblers. That's what I, call <laughs> I get uh, an 85 year old woman um, to tailor me jeans, and I could not be more proud of having someone take twenty dollar pair of jeans and making them to a hundred dollar pair of jeans. Yeah, that is cool as hell to me. I like I have a custom pair of friggin' jeans. That's neat. Yeah, but it's it's it. For her, that's just like it is here. It's just yeah. a day. It's just another day off. Yeah, it's just things that she does. Uh, yeah, it, I I have a lot of creative friends. Being the creative person that I am, and I love supporting them. And uh, um, Elena, she's Lucky Clown on Instagram. She makes uh, custom cut and dyed clothing. 
and I'll hit her up once or twice a year and be like, hey, you need to make me one of these in these three colors. Can oh, you yeah. do that? And she'll just be like, hell yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and, you know, I let her run a little wild with the stuff I get from her because I trust her and she can do whatever and she knows I'm not going to be upset if she does something a little wacky and it doesn't turn out yeah. the way she wants. Um, but I got a, I got a, like a, a shawl cardigan, like, thing it's kind of like a duster but it slopes back away from your legs and she probably loved making that thing and she didn't have any pressure on making it perfect like if you're like yeah just do whatever you want yeah she probably had a lot of well, it doing that. i had that conversation when i was like look if you got anything you want to try or any workflows that you haven't really like had a chance to experiment with go do the thing because you know i got your back sure. whatever and she's like yeah i've been really wanting to try xyz with this dyeing technique that i've only ever done once and i was like fucking run it go <laughs> and uh, i got the garment and it looks great and i'm super stoked good that's awesome yeah so so her work and her partner's work i'll shout him out too he's full grain designs he does leather work yeah and he actually uh, did the leather part of this pendant right here man so one of the my most favorite things to do if i'm just really trying to chill out and not think of the world is watch um uh, Little King Goods on YouTube. I don't know that person. Well, they do leather work, and he does. It's it's on. I I guess you would call it ASMR. Um, he doesn't talk in it. He just has a really good camera lighting setup, and he'll go through making wallets, um, belts, uh, satchels, whatever. He has a, a good YouTube series, and I could sit there and watch him do that for days. It is just awesomely satisfying. So I think if my old man retirement hobby. Probably be leather, leather work. Yeah, leather work. That I feel cool. I feel like that's a real zen thing a person could get into. Yeah, if they got their own little set of tools, yeah. like I can have my little workstation. My workstation ain't gotta be big. It's just like me. And, and you like can get something just as nerdy about that as as a craft as you have. You know, all of all of the vehicles you have out here. Yeah. Because you have a very specific set of tools that all do very specific jobs yeah. with a very unique material. Like it's you, not a hard transition. No, it's you and it's and it's handwork too. You don't use a lot of machines like. You know, there's there's a very um, tactile nature to it that is really enjoyable. Yeah. That that I see from someone that's never worked leather before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So watching him do that, like it was, it wasn't like I was looking at something foreign. I'm like, I have no idea how he could do it. Like I'm like, oh, I can easily figure this out. So it makes it a very viable like retirement hobby for me. Right. I say that because like I don't feel like I'm going to have time to do anything other than do this stuff <laughs> until for a retire, long time. Whatever yeah. that may be. Yeah. Uh, there's I'll, I'll, I'll throw in one of my YouTube suggestions now uh, Baumgartner Restorations this guy dude yes restores um, I've seen him uh, restores old paintings and all sorts of stuff too and he uh, is very talented videographer and does really great voiceover when he does voiceover he's really slick with his ads he gets me every time <laughs> I, I don't see him coming um <laughs> But yeah, dude, watching the process and a lot of the chemistry behind the process, he'll explain too about why you use this versus that and reversible this and non-reversible and there are mechanical aspects because you have to frame the thing, you have to support the thing, you have to yeah. make it you know, work to display the art that's on it or in it. And then you have all the chemistry that you have to play with to make sure that things are in a proper order for the longevity of the piece. And then you've got all the thinking around all the things in the context of making this painting last another thousand years or you know whatever it is isn't that cool watching somebody do it and then going well i could probably do that now i've seen you do it yes but i don't want to touch somebody's 300 year old painting no no i don't i don't either but like that's probably the best part about youtube for me um so i am absolutely fabrication wise welding wise self-taught 
And if I hadn't had YouTube and other people that were further along putting out their content out there, showing me how to do it, and Instagram is a big one, like uh, welding-wise, I don't care if you give your settings out or not or, like, explain it. Like, if you just show yourself welding... I would I would watch it over and over and over and then see their like their technique and like what the puddles doing and so on and so forth. I'm completely self-taught based upon the internet and um, I think that if I can do it with no like education that I paid for, that anybody can do it. Well, there there from even the simplest video, there's so much information you can pull from if you know what you're trying to look at. Yeah, and that's not even like welding. That could be for anything. Like there's so many how-tos on like everything that you can make as a basis to make into a business yeah and it's really 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 it's really fantastic how connected we are and how much information that we actually like share um there's some there's always trade secrets but there's less and less and less trade secrets and now if i find out that someone has a trade secret i don't really want to know how to do that particular thing yeah and they're not really giving away all the tea I'm I'm pretty certain I'll find it. Eventually. I'm gonna watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna find it eventually. So uh, yeah, it just it's it's just awesome being able to to have all this information at your fingertips to learn and progress yourself. Um, just be careful as a business that you actually don't grow too quickly because you can outgrow yourself and how fast um, that you can bang out product and end up getting yourself in a hurry or. Uh, mismanage money or, or the, the endless amount of things that you could do to, to get yourself in trouble um, just do it step by step and don't get into a hurry don't think that you have to be Elon Musk by next year just right. do it organically and you'll enjoy it a lot more yeah there's a lot less self-induced stress on that I would imagine and I'm sure that's not every field of, of owning your own business but just don't be afraid to be broke for a while I've been poor my whole life so this <laughs> was no problem yeah growing up below <laughs> the poverty line teaches you some things yeah it teaches you how to live without money so like now you're doing what you want to and you're still poor it's great you're right. fine yeah. <laughs> it's like it was before but better now yeah, yeah now I'm doing something I enjoy all right, man. So when it comes to mechanical things, uh, cars, machines, otherwise, like what what really grinds your gears in the good way? Oh, like what, what gets me going? What gets me excited? Yeah, well, and, and I'm going to oh lead that gosh. into like what, what kind of mechanical influences you have. But okay. let's answer this question. First. Okay. No, well, that, that helps me uh, sum it up. So I uh, here lately have been really... Not diving into figuring out stuff, just really enjoying seeing high-end professional motorsports um, projects, builds. Um, if if you can go on the deep dark web and like find how a particular um, GT car was made, and there's there's usually some something out there. I really enjoy seeing that. Like uh, Indy came to Nashville mm-hmm. uh, this past summer. Yep. Um, all of the, the GT pits was open. The Indy pits wasn't, but I didn't care about that at all. Like I yeah. care also got an Indy car. I really liked looking at uh, like the GT2, um, talking to the teams, talking to the mechanics, looking the car over, and then me directly comparing myself in my mind to those cars. Yeah. And it was really cool. It was really neat to see the level that we're at now, but we're at now organically versus people that I assume in my mind is a extremely high level motorsports shop. Right. So um, after that, I started to just, you know, Instagram following the right people and seeing um the right uh, machinist and the and the right engine builders and the right uh, um, 
chassis builders, the wiring harness builders, there is, everybody just shares, again, shares their work. So you're able to just have this overload of information and that is just extremely satisfying to see something made at, at like a high level. Not necessarily F1, that's like super high, but like an obtainable professional level. Yeah. I really like that. That's cool. Well, I mean, there are a lot of shops that could put out a GT3 spec car. There is a lot of shops, yeah. especially when you see them in person. Hmm. I've seen um, the, some of the, the cage work on Ferrari's cars, and it looked awful. <laughs> so I was like, well, But it's yeah. to spec. But it's a Ferrari. I'm like, well, if this is a Ferrari factory like built race car, I know I can do just as good, if not better. So, yeah, it is. It's neat to see. Um, it's all money. Just hmm. see where money can take someone. Yeah. I, and I hate like pointing it directly at money, but that's where that's where that shit starts. My business is based around a hobby. If money isn't around, then I don't have a business. Right. And that's that. Like the only time that it's not is if I'm making something for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I can make tangible thing very cheaply, um, but making it for a bunch of other people. If they don't, if the economy collapses and everybody doesn't do their hobby, I don't want a job. Right. It's just, it's 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 crazy to think about that. It's kind of scary, but I'm just I'm just going along with it. I and, mean, and you know, in my profession, I'm in the same boat because if somebody decides to, or if everybody decides to stop wrapping their cars, then I'm screwed. Yeah. But uh, I think we've both seen a lot of adversity in the business uh, as as automotive adjacent, or you more directly than myself. But. Uh, you know, COVID and the lockdowns and pandemic and all the stuff. COVID man. was a weird thing when it's it comes to the automotive market. It, it absolutely is. But like when it happened, I, I was sweating. I was like, man, this, this business is new. And like I said, we've only been an actual business since 2018. I'm still very new in this whole situation. And I was like, crap, people, people are going to hold their money tight. No, I guess not. I guess the people <laughs> that like wanted to spend money now had a bunch of free board time. They're like, Dude, I gotta build this car today, and then they're like, you know, they're hitting us up, wanting stuff done, and it's not stopped. If anything, COVID gave people a time to like do the things that they enjoy, and the things that they enjoy are racing cars, drifting, uh, just having street cars, whatever, and hiring me to to do stuff on them. So now, I'll I'll say that um, since Knox County had its lockdown, and I went home for a couple of weeks, and everything got sorted out, and at my employer. Um, it's been balls to the wall and we haven't stopped. Yeah. And, and I find that just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm happy, but don't get me wrong. Like, it's exactly the thing none of us expected. Yeah. So no, there's no. that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping that eventually it goes back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. What is that anymore? I don't know if it, it'll just be like an, maybe an easier now. That's all I think. It's just an easier now. <laughs> an easier now. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to have to say that next time. But uh, where were we? Mechanical influences, people, things that have really uh, got your uh, gears turning as far as uh, what you want to build, what you want to build for people, that oh, kind of thing. Oh, oh, oh. So a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that I think about is like, okay, what kind of hypothetical build can I do for myself? Because that's what keeps me interested in this stuff is like the next thing. Um, oh, I really want to tackle... Um, a time attack car, a time attack base car. Not it doesn't even really have to be something that I drive to the level or the limit. Um, it just I just want to make one. Um, another one is taking a, a Impreza wagon and then putting a full tube chassis underneath it with whatever I want to, which because we can do that. We got a chassis table now. I can 3D scan whatever. 
it comes down to it once you can make like a tube chassis you can just put whatever silhouette that you want right. on top of it um so i really like a wagon and that sounds like a nice affordable piece of crap that i could buy for 500 dollars. <laughs> store it in the back and then whenever the time comes cut it up um, i have a mercedes 190e out, out back there now that that was kind of the plan for but that's kind of changed and i'm, I'm gonna sell it but um yeah what uh, what's getting me kind of inspired and stuff is yeah, just thinking you. about like the next the next thing I want to do after the M3 is done and the M3 now still holds my interest very much so because I, I really want to drift again um, but it will be the, the drift car I've always wanted to like build myself with the skill set that I have at the time and so after that after that that, that itch is scratched yeah. I gotta move on to something else so I'm thinking probably something uh, time attacky some, something like road race style Man, I think uh, hill climbs. The hill climbs really tickle okay. my fancy. So that one and the same in that whole like building a car to a particular spec, mm-hmm. we could build it to that spec. And hill climbs are starting to get really popular around the U.S. And I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm happy about it. That and uh, hopefully here a local ish is supposed to be that um, that full road course that they're supposed to build. If that happens and everything goes through with that, then my clientele list should change. Yep. Because we have a world-class racetrack that is not far from us. So I'm really banking on um, once that happens that, that my clientele list gets better. Well, that that having access to the places to play with the toys makes everything better. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's a shame. You can have a really nice build that is really good at what it's built to go do. Where are you going to, where are you going to use it? Yeah, I hate that. That's like the question that ends the conversation. Sometimes it it is, and for us it doesn't. Uh, we have a quick answer to that. Like we just like to build cars, right? Like like it doesn't matter if they get used uh, 365 days or if they get used one time for a purpose. The joy for us was creating that thing that does a purpose. Um, the M3 is a little different because I actually want to drive it and right. the crap out of it. But <laughs> beyond that, I just want to build cars again. I am I'm, I'm a modern. I'm a modern hot rod. So. Well, we we can wrap it up. <laughs> You're if, good. No worries. How many how many other did you? Uh, how many other questions did you have? I mean, I, I, I want to get all to them. I know? normally have a list of like uh, 12, 15 questions, but some of them are really like visual art centric. Yeah. So I kind of shooting from the hip on this one. Yeah, and that's fine because I wanted to sit down with you because I sort of knew what kind of guy you are. We've had some short conversations in sure. person. Uh, you know when you drop cars off at the shop and stuff and I just wanted to sit down with another car guy and talk car stuff and 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 creative car stuff because I haven't had a real chance to do that yet and I was happy that you said yes yeah absolutely because this is the first podcast I've done as far as like you know after having the business and whatnot so oh, okay pretty good about that well awesome um yeah, so I really just want to sit down and pick your brain about, uh, you know, what decisions in your life sort of put you in this place to own this kind of business and how you conduct said business. And and uh, just know that there are people out there like myself that appreciate that you are doing the thing. Yeah. And uh, and it's good. And I like watching. I think what uh, what's pushed me to do it was I just didn't want to work for somebody else anymore. I mean, I really didn't. And now having the business... If it were to uh, go belly up for whatever reason, I don't know what I would do after that. I guess I could use my skill set, but I don't want to not own a business. Like, I don't want to not do it for myself because it's nice. Everybody has somebody to tell them what to do, and everybody has a boss, whether they say that they do or not. Like, my clients are my, technically my boss. Yeah, like they, they're they the take, ones telling you what to do. Yeah, they're telling me what to do, but it's different. 
it's different. You're doing something for them now versus like and getting paid to do said service versus just mindlessly doing something and getting a paycheck. Also, the oversight is different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I've had shit jobs. And luckily, I'm currently employed in a really nice one uh, in an environment that I really enjoy. Louie's a cool boss. Louie is a cool boss. And he's very reasonable when we're all sitting around talking about what we should do to this damn car. And he entertains our ideas. And uh, most of the time, he lets us run with it. But other times, you know, he has to step in and be the boss and say, all right, I mean, does he really put down the iron fist? Um, It depends on the project. Like, there are obviously things that we need to stick to the letter to, you know, because this is expected to be exactly what was on the render, blah, blah, blah. But there have been other projects where we had some free reign that, you know, myself or another coworker or two and he, we've all sat down and uh, and and just like bent, bent over the table and looked at the car all standing next to each other and be like, you know, we should do some of this or do yeah. some of that. You know how those conversations go. Sure. Sometimes um, after work beverages of the adult variety may or may not be involved because, you know, sometimes those conversations only happen in those scenarios. Man, the best brainstorming happens just a couple deep, honestly. Yeah, like, it really does. More than that, it starts to get ignorant. But, like, <laughs> yeah, like two beers in, chug them real quick, then you can really, like, spitball some good stuff. Yeah, so that's happened. Um, uh, USA Cycling slash Harper gave us uh, a base model Taycan to put uh, a reflective camo on. Cool. And we didn't really know, like we had a general idea of what we wanted to do with it. that expensive material? Uh, and it's a pain that I asked to work with too. <laughs> it doesn't wrap very well. Well, it, it, uh, you can manipulate it pretty well and get it to do things that you want it to do, but it's really picky about how it does them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, if you move it around too much or stretch it too much, the metal that's suspended inside that is actually the reflective part, it changes pattern. Like you can see it's how it's been molested. I see. Yeah. It pulls it pulls the metallic part away. Okay. Well, it, that makes sense. It, it uh, makes it less dense, so you'll have lighter areas that reflect more or, or less, depending on how and you... And at night, I guess that really pops out like where those places are. Not as much as you would think, but if you're really looking at it, then yeah. you can tell. Gotcha. Uh, one of those, like, got to know what it looks like to find it sort of thing yeah but you know we were sitting around like how do we finish off the back end of this car it looks funny if it just ends right there on both sides of the trunk so i was just like let's do a stripe all the way across the trunk at this width that bridges the two main elements that come around the rear corners of the car and uh you know i taped some pieces up did this or that i was like lou this is what it's gonna look like and he said Mm. <laughs> all right go you know and and it did look better than just not having nothing on the trunk you know and it just stopped there at the body line the, the shut lines of the trunk so that's that's a mild example of one of the things that we've all sort of spitballed and said yeah we should do that because it looks better than not having anything there at all i think having a business where you're able to like creatively do that is nice like it I don't. I, it's almost like a um, relaxing situation within like a busy day of doing the mm. same stuff. I really enjoy the fact that, um, the in my in my current job scenario, I can influence these decisions, and these are the decisions that I get to influence, like these automotive styling related yeah. questions. And you know, in my previous uh, job, it wasn't such a a thing that I enjoy. It's like, oh, hey, this is the problem. How are we going to put these stage platforms together to make this shape? We've got so many platforms. Because, you know, um, I used to work in the Coliseum. I was a shift lead there. 
uh, working all the events and all the hockey games and all the stuff and all the logistical problems that those entail between clients and event uh, riders and we need this for that and it's got to go over here like those technical problems are creative in their own way but it wasn't a satisfying type of creativity yeah, that you're just I like a manager to at that point you're just managing from one thing to the other well yeah and then there's also the um, the the logistical puzzle and mental gymnastics of how do we keep the client happy if they ask for this and we deliver that and you know the 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 middle ground the yeah. gray area shenanigans that can happen so you had to be creative with what you knew and what tools you knew you had and what you could get. You know, there's there's room there to play, but it's not the kind of play that I really enjoyed. Now, don't get me wrong, learning how to operate a Zamboni is cool as hell. Everybody wants it. Isn't everybody's, like, dream? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people's dream. Yeah, it is. It's the oddest, like, dream, but if anybody was like, what is a weird childhood dream, what would it be? I'm like, oh, yeah, that would definitely be, like, to drive a Zamboni. So I... If, to speak to this point exactly, I had a lady uh, the other day at the hockey game. She said, I've been playing hockey for four years, and since day one of playing hockey, I've always wanted to ride on a Zambo. <laughs> and, and I currently am one of three people that drive uh, the fan bony for the ice bears. Yeah. So I take the people and their kids or the birthday party or whatever out cool. and around on the ice while the, the other Zamboni is actually you know, conditioning the ice. Conditioning is the proper term. Uh, there's there's a lot of lingo around a Zamboni. Is a Zamboni? Uh, is there multiple brands, or is, it, is the Zamboni the brand, and that's what they're all so called the, now? So it's it's like that. A Zamboni is one specific brand of the original machine, and there are other brands of that that get generically called Zamboni mm. because they do the same job. Good so for Zamboni. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, Olympia is a brand. I think there's two more that are kind of like you know bottom end of the market share, but Olympia and Zamboni are the two big ones. Um, but, you know, I got to make that woman's four years, you yeah, know, the other day. And that was really cool. And, you know, I thanked her for doing the thing and getting on the ride and, you know, told her to enjoy the rest of the hockey game. And, you know, yeah. really happy she could do the thing. And I was happy. I, was I had the privilege of helping her do that. Yeah. Because it really is a privilege in those scenarios because I didn't have to be that guy. I just happened to be that guy. And she happened to be that person. And, it, you know, it's it, neat it to, just worked out. It's neat to see other people's, like, outside looking in perspectives because, like, you drive them all the time but they're boring to you now uh, but like it blew her mind uh, you know I worked at the Coliseum for two and a half years before I got with AZ and I, I picked that up pretty quick um, is there a skill to it? there is most definitely a skill set is it really? yeah, it's not just like you're vacuuming the ice it's just like so, so like, here's, <laughs> here's what happens sorry I don't know if y'all have heard me talk about Zamboni shenanigans before or not but look Here's what happens. In in the box that is called the conditioner that actually does all the work, you have three things happening. You have water going down mm-hmm. before the blade. You have the blade that is actively shaving the ice. And then you have water going down after the blade okay. onto a towel that then equally distributes the water behind the, behind the blade. So that's the water you see shooting out the back being left yeah, on the ice. Yeah. What you don't see inside the box is the wash water, which is the water that comes out before the blade. You don't see the blade, but they're like um, eight feet long, whatever the width of that is, minus a couple inches. They're about um, eight or nine inches wide before yeah. they get ground down and used up a lot. And they weigh like 80 pounds. And they're really heavy and they're really sharp because they're made out of like T2 tool steel. <laughs> like they're they're ridiculous, like hardened steel. Do you have to use like a special water or is it just like uh, water? No, no, you can just use tap water. I mean, it's a city facility, so we use city water. 
Okay. Um, huh. But some people do get really uppity about their water if it's a private ice rink or whatever. There, there's a lot of ways to get nerdy about they this. Got, they got, yeah, they got uh, ice rink um, passionate people. That's Dude, like their hobby. Is listen, to make listen, I haven't cool operated at Zamboni in over two years, and I still frequent Zamboni subreddits because it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool place to be. Um, but, Who knew? Uh, they knew. They know. Yeah. That's why you can be 90 years old and still operate as Zamboni. Like, I understand <laughs> why some dude can just zen out for his whole, like, adult life as a job. Um, but that's what's happening in the conditioner. And on the specific model that I was using at the time, they have a different one now that's a little more user-friendly. But you have to control water flow for both of those uh, different waters. So you have wash water before the blade, towel water after the blade, and you're controlling how much water is coming out of both of those the entire time. Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, you can just set it in one position with the valve and let it flow and go do your run and be done with it. Uh, but if the ice isn't level or you're trying to avoid putting a lot of water down in the corners, you know, you have to modulate when, where, and how much for two different volumes of water. And then you have your blade height which you may or may not need to modulate on this run, depending on how thick and where you your eyes is. Everything would just be like computerly set, like well, they, CNC Zamboni. They, they do have um, like laser guided conditioners that will control how much water you're putting down and how high the blade is. But you still have to drive and hit 100% coverage, which is difficult all by itself. And you have to do that all at the same time. So you're juggling five different balls and trying to make sure that you don't screw up in a in a manner that means you have to come back around and hit another strike. Oh man. Um, it is difficult. <laughs> it is not easy to learn, but if you have a feel, it's, it's one of those things. I can see why people can like nerd out on it. It's, it's a really strange occupation in the way that uh, if you're a person that gets really involved in process oriented tasks, yeah. then you can do this until the end of your days. Um, like I said, I totally understand how you can be 90 years old and still operate as Zamboni. Yeah. Like, I, I love it. Uh, I'll never not be uh, stoked about having, <laughs> having operated or knowing how to operate as Zamboni. Like, it's it's going to be one of those things that I'm always really cool with. I wonder if anybody's ever obsessed about a Zamboni so much that they just bought one without having an ice ring to put it on. They just oh, I guarantee it, dude. I, I, I can like, almost promise that has happened. They just turn on their like garage light and they just sit there and, and crack open a six-pack and just stare at it. Well, if you don't, uh, if you have just normal street tires, which they have like all-terrain truck tires on them most of the time, and, and they're studded. But if you just put non-studded street tires on this thing, it's like a giant lawnmower. Like right. it's, it's all hydraulic. The engine, the internal combustion engine that's actually in this thing drives a hydraulic pump that oh, drives man. everything. I'll bet there's a YouTube video somewhere of somebody modifying a Zamboni. If anybody dropped ridiculous. a twin turbo V8 in a Zamboni, I'm going <laughs> to shit. There's a lot of room for it. You probably could. Dude, there is a lot of room. You take those water tanks out and you've honestly got uh, an area from like if you just imagine this area like around your desk that's how much of an engine bay you, you have. You can definitely put an LS in it at least. Uh, you can fit way more. You can fit two LS's in it. <laughs> Quad turbo, two engine, Zamboni. Man. And they're, and they're all-wheel drive too so that's cool. And figuring out all the other bells and whistles that you have to do. God, that you'd get that done so quick. There, there are also two uh, augers so the snow that the blade cuts is uh, augered vertically or uh, there's one horizontal to get rid of the, the mm -hmm. excess so uh, just in front of the blade where the ice would accumulate there is an auger that uh, rotates towards the middle so you know there's a V in the middle and, and the screws go towards the middle and then that gets shot at a vertical auger like it literally just throws the snow at a vertical auger Ooh, better question how often do you have to maintain it 
Like if uh, you have to call that, out on that, somebody professional? There are daily, weekly, and monthly maintenance routines. Is it just like you all fixed it or is, do you have to hire someone? So there's a company called All Star Arenas. They sell all kinds of sporting arena hardware and yeah. services and all that kind of thing. And like Zamboni maintenance is one of their things. Man, I bet they just set their price. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, there's probably only like five certified techs in the country, and they like set their price, I'm sure. Well, there are other companies, and, and Zamboni specific maintenance companies, so they, they have some competition, but they're the only ones that, uh, as far as I know, and my tenure in that building, that we really cared to hand the keys to and say, hey, can you fix this? Yeah. Um, now, there are, it's a simple machine when it comes right down to it. There's a lot of fixing that can be done without super specialized knowledge. But there are some parts that just, you know, hand it to a guy that knows what he's doing. Like the, the, the hydraulic systems are not, they're simple as hydraulic systems, but they're not simple because they're hydraulic systems. Right. You know, yeah, the yeah. double-edged sword that that is. And there are a lot of valve bodies and manifolds and stuff that a lot of these hoses go to and levers and all that stuff. Lord, we're getting down the rabbit hole now. Yeah, so there's all that. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes it is better to hand it off to a guy that knows what the hell he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. But for the most part, like, it's, you know, a simple set of hand tools and some elbow grease, and you can fix it. Get it done. Like, uh, the one that I was using at the Coliseum has a two-liter Nissan, like, industrial motor in it. Oh. So, it's nothing nothing uh, crazy it, or exotic. You use SR, so you're all replacing this pretty often? I, <laughs> I, no, I think it's, it's a... It's Just like, a sea of Zambonis with... Uh, with uh, spun cranks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just a two liter. I think they put it in like um, like uh, like fork trucks and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Not yeah. anything you know streetable. Uh, yeah. But it would be like tug trucks and you know all the heavy industrial stuff. Yeah. But uh, that's that's the kind of thing where you'd find that and it just chugs right along and some of them are propane on internal combustion uh, hardware. That's what I was about to ask is if yeah. you're propane or like what? Well some of them are propane, some of them are gas. You know, some, I thought they were electric. Some of them are. There are yeah. electric Zambonis out there now. Hmm. Uh, but yeah it's cool stuff. I like it a lot. I can get you know like I said real nerdy about it. How much do I have to pay you to drive one? Um, I don't know how much the ice bears charge for a ride, but uh, I'm pretty sure they nor I have the insurance coverage to put you in the, <laughs> put you in the driver's seat. But um, trust me, there are a, a, a small list of people that I would love to see drive one of these. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That'd be a childhood dream. But like it's, said. it's a lot like a, a hydrostatic uh, lawnmower. Like you set your throttle level, which controls the engine RPM, and then you have a forward and reverse lever. And then where you set the throttle also controls your top speed. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, like it's really simple. Really, really simple. You're just eight feet in the air on top of like nice. 5,000 pounds of stuff. Trying to make sure everything's just like laser level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, post in society. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're, you're, uh, you're in a very niche environment doing a very niche task. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Unsung hero, but a hero nonetheless. Uh, I'll, I don't wear a cape, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, but Chris, man, you got the... Oh, the one question I usually ask mm -hmm. uh, at the end of all my shows is that um, who else do you know or would like to listen to or sit down on the other side of my microphone with uh, in the future? Like, Do you have people you would like to hear be in your shoes right now? Oh, man. You know, uh, the person that we were talking about right before we started this uh, with Print House? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be good. I'd like to hear um, how a, a person that started a brewery got started and what they decided to do besides like just the drinking aspect obviously they like well, beer uh, but 
Peter and his wife had a had an art business before that, and that influenced the whole ordeal. Well, with that makes sense because of their name. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But uh, the last time I talked to Peter, he told me that he is no longer affiliated with Print Shop. So he's, he and his wife are back to doing artsy things now full time. Oh. So that's going to be an interesting aspect yeah. to, the com- to, uh, to the conversation as well. But like I said, he's always been really nice to me, and I want to sit down and have, a, have that brain-picking conversation with him, much mm-hmm. like we've done. Somebody that's uh, like that, um, I, and anybody that does leather work, because you know I'm now interested in possibly doing that in my future future yeah. life. Um, anybody that's creative and, and started a business from nothing always intrigues me because there is, uh, like you said, a thousand ways to skin a cat. And uh, I listen to podcasts um, semi regularly on people that uh, started a business and um, a lot of times it's because it pertains to my interests like automotive related but sometimes I'll get down the hole of trying to uh, find people that just started like a wine business yeah and seeing their their claims and stuff like that especially if it's around if they're around the same age as me then it relates to the time period of me growing up and things like that so it makes more sense and I can take what they have already learned and possibly put it into my own yeah. uh, business and kind of move forward with that. Um, I, I did have Lou on the podcast, so he's like episode 15 or something like that. So, And we get into a little bit of that, so you might want to listen. Oh, to cool. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I'd say we're probably on like very similar pages because me and him both started out really close around yeah. the same time. So, Yeah, he and I had a good conversation on his back porch with, uh, with little Lou being the co-producer <laughs> essentially yelling feed me feed me yeah uh, but yeah it was a good conversation and it gave me some insight onto the headspace of of my boss when he wanted to start the business and you know he moved here from the west coast and all, all the jazz so he's got a good story and, and we sat down and had a good conversation me and him has had a few of those um uh, they've just been bits and pieces you probably got like the whole story and i got I've had bits and pieces over the years because i've known well, i've known louie now for how long has he been doing East End Drift? Nine years? Mm, I think so. Yeah, so I've known years. him. I've known him nine years now, which is pretty cool. Which and it's and it's cool to me to see people like you in those shoes and be like, oh yeah, I remember when like year two East End Drift, and I'm just like, Lou's my boss. And, <laughs> and I feel like I could reach out to Lou with any business problem, and he could have an opinion to my my problem and yeah. maybe come up with a solution because he's been there, done that, and. Um, you know, can give me a, a maybe a different route or road to, to go down. So, so yeah, listen to that one. Uh, you might enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, and to put it out there, I would like to get you across from the microphone with both of your full time employees and have that four way conversation. Oh Lord, um, one of them is extremely quiet. The other one is is is, is kind of like me. So once you get him going, he just goes. Well, that's that's my problem <laughs> in this scenario. I got to get people talking, so I I can do what I can do with that. But you know, since since this business isn't only you and it is a group effort doing all the cool stuff that y'all do i would like to pick their brains too and i think sitting down and talking to the three of you would be a really good picture for the listeners of what you know what it's like being here yeah so so to speak i think so I think they'd. I think they'd really be down for that. Actually, well, put it put it out in the air, okay. and, and if they smell what you're stepping tomorrow. in, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll make it happen because I don't have any like set production schedule. Like, <laughs> if you call me next week and like, hey, the guys want to do this on Thursday, by God, I'm coming. Yeah, we do a season or uh, episode two on this whole situation. Yeah, yeah. so you know, just uh, put it out there, and and I like doing more group things as well. So anytime I can get a couple people sitting around that do the same sort of thing or vastly different things, like I like to get everybody in the same room and talk like yeah. uh, in November I had my big year end episode with me and uh, 
uh, f- uh, four other people that I really enjoy. Like uh, cool. Tanya, our lead designer at work. Um, uh, my buddy Kevin, he's a martial arts instructor, a muralist friend of mine, and another fellow that's just like one of those crazy jack of all trades guys. Oh, that's a good collection. And of we all and we all sat around and did the thing and talked about art for like two hours. Cool. And it, and I really enjoyed that episode. So I, I want to do more group stuff like that. Yeah, and like I said, we all bring a different aspect to the business mm-hmm. to to create uh, as one entity, and so they all have their own perspectives to kind of like shoot things by, and we all have similar ish stories as far as like our backgrounds and how we got started in automotive and motorcycle hobby um so i think it's probably honestly one thing that that kind of brought us all together to work and be able to work so well is like we all just have really similar backgrounds and interests so it's really cool well yeah put that out there and see what happens for sure um chris tell people where they can find you um, our website's www.risefabshop.com. Our Instagram is risefabshop. So is our Facebook page. So it's all uh, all about the same. So if you just Google us, you don't even have to, to go on social media. You just straight Google us and all that stuff will pop up, including pictures. So, hey, pictures. Yeah, pictures. Um, we're doing. Uh, we're working with Hugan Media. He's going to be doing uh, a lot of small edits. We're going to be a lot heavier in TikToks and Reels this year. Um, that seems to be the, the, the outlet that a lot of people are kind of going towards. So we're going to make our content a little bit more enjoyable for the people. So give us a follow. Tell us if we suck. Tell us if we're doing good. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the feedback, though, though uh, for real. So Instagram has gotten very video heavy the last, like, 18 months. They have, and they announced that, that honestly, mm-hmm. they're going to use reels and stuff and push yeah. reels in your face. And I even catch myself just being on the reels and I'm like holy shit how did I get here <laughs> right. yeah. yeah and so I get it um, the, the only thing that downside to that is there is a lot of people that aren't videographers there is a lot I mean there's a lot there is but there's a lot that isn't and taking a picture is simple editing a whole video even if it's simply on your phone on the app yeah isn't necessarily for everybody it's, so it's a whole can of words it is and uh for me as a business it takes time out of my day so uh austin's a really good friend of mine again he's with yugen media and he's going to be doing a lot of my he's already done a lot of video edits for me in the past um, all the stuff that's not been like cell phone shot vlog style um, anything that that looks artistic in his own way, um, he has been uh, doing that for me, and he will be doing it for them this year. So hey, he would be a good person to talk to, actually. Well, yeah, we can have him in here too. He would love that. Yeah, I can, I'll, I'll send me his contact info. Yeah, because he's a creative videographer. Um, you know, his bread and butter is, of course, his weddings, like every videographer. Right. But you can tell when he's absolutely passionate about something. He's a car guy. Um, he ran a season of Formula D Pro Am years back. Um, and his new passion and business is videography. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Think you should get him on. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll shoot you his information. And I'll I'll tell him myself too. And I think he'd be happy to to do it. Well, cool. I'll go ahead and say the ending spiel and wrap us up. Um, everybody, this has been another installment of the KAAMP. That is the Knoxville Artist or Knoxville Area Artist Networking Platform. I don't always get it right. Uh, <laughs> If you want to support the show, give us a listen. Tell other people listens. Tell them to get their shit together and put this in their ear holes because they need it right there. Absolutely. Um, if you want to support the podcast further, you can um, buy my art. Uh, I am at the Twisted Wrist on Instagram, and if you see me in public, I'm tall, redheaded, with a big old beard. I'm not hard to not, <laughs> not hard to find. Uh, if you want to like wave a five dollar bill at me and tell me it's for the podcast, that's fine too. I'll totally understand. 
But uh, until then, uh, enjoy. And thank you for listening. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure.